As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are joined by Alex Schiffer of The Athletic to talk about the hottest team in the NBA, your Brooklyn Nets. Alex, get us into it. Say something. Fired. Instant fire. <laughs> I couldn't think fast enough. Yeah. That wasn't a well, bit, people. That was literally <laughs> Alex not thinking of something. Let's, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Welcome back yeah. to the glue guys. God damn it, Alex! Control <laughs> me in. Are you re- Are you going to do the show? Are you here? Go ahead. Go ahead. Welcome. This is going to be in the show. This Welcome is- back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at pkgluguysnetsdaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself on the paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys, a subsidiary of the New York Times. Brian? Michael. And Alex. Alex Schiffer's back. Wow. Alex Schiffer's here. Hey, Alex. Are you here? Like, instead, like, you introducing me the way you say the Nets are back? Like, Alex mm. Schiffer is back. But I shouldn't, you getting that kind of emotional for me is, is just not in your... <laughs> In your being. Well, I, I'm glad we could fit this in with your busy TV schedule, Alex. I'm glad I'm glad we could uh, accommodate your busy schedule of being on TV all the time. So thank you for spending some time with this little old podcast of ours. I appreciate it very much. Alex, can I also say... Go ahead, Please. Brian. You can say whatever you want. You know I love <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to say, I appreciated your tete-a-tete with uh, Kyrie about Groundhog Day, too. Um, have we gotten any traction on that? Have we? Has has? It feels like there needs to be a petition to get to get uh, Kyrie to watch that because it could change everything. I feel like that movie could change the whole the whole worldview, everything. I haven't been able to ask him yet, but okay. I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, for as much crap as that interaction I, I took from that interaction from from the other the other reporters and whatnot, like. I knew you guys would appreciate it because it was a good movie reference. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. If I could just say, by the way, you know, Mike made it seem like I'm too busy for you guys. 
I'll come on whenever. I want the rec- I want the people to know that Mike can't wait to like um to like get rid of me sometimes. He'll, he'll just cold call me. You want a pod today? As if I schedule my whole life around him. And when I say I got other things going on, oh well, we'll just do it a few more weeks. And it's like uh, that SpongeBob telling like a few weeks later, phone still uh, <laughs> not ringing or anything, right? Another good reference. I'm on a roll. You Let's talk right. about the Nets. Um, well, Brian knows the relationship I have with people is it's always on my time. And I disregard all other people's schedules for what fits into my schedule. <laughs> the, the best part is too, if you give them a little bit of pushback, it's it's not that it doesn't work. That doesn't, <laughs> it gives you it yeah. give you a time slot of like I can do like five p.m. on Wednesday night and nothing else. And if you push back on that, whoa, whoa to you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been able to get a wife and kids by operating like that. You give me hope. Yeah. Alex, there's an odd thing that's happening where the first like few words of each sentence or each time you pop back on, uh, it like is is quiet, and then your your sound raises up. Well, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to go into I want you I want you to mute yourself and go into your Zoom settings and see if there's some background noise suppression or something that is on in the settings and turn that off because if you do. It's going to be fixed. Do you think you can handle that? Okay. So Alex has muted himself. Brian and I, no, bro, bro, this is in the show, bro. Okay. Don't, yeah. don't you worry about it. Anyways, Brian, mm-hmm. um, Alex will jump back in in a sec. But uh, we, we saw a basketball game. Uh, the Another dub, a, a last second, end of the game, tense interaction dub against another injured team. Um. How excited are you that the Nets are now 10 in a row, double-digit win streak, one of the greatest win streaks in the history of the NBA? <clears throat> these are the wins. These are the wins, you know, Mike, that give me real hope. I know these are the ones that people like to pick and prod at and be like, oh, the Patty Mills, Seth Curry rotation minutes, that was disgusting. And, and they were, and they that was not a good situation. That's And that's fine. We can, we, can, we can do all that. But at the end of it, you know, despite all the disgustingness of – of that uh, Atlanta Hawks game, you know, getting the dub at the end. That's what, that's what really, you know, it's, it's, it's a binary at the end of the day, Mike. And uh, we're winning the games that we sometimes shouldn't even be winning. And that's the hallmark of potentially a contending team. Michael Smeltz. Alex Schiff, are you there? Settings. It was not an option. Hmm. That's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I have a question for you, Alex. So I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, Steve Nash, who, by the way, Raja Bell tweeted out a photo of him, Boris Steve now, Boris Diaw and Steve Nash all together at a bar, and th- them saying something like, "I love these guys," and they were drinking Montauk beers. So I, I'm guessing, I mean, Montauk beer is now prevalent along many parts of this country, but th- everything that they were drinking was a was a Montauk whatever. You know, that beer company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if they were in the Hamptons. Uh, they may not have been. The my, my question to you, Alex, is Steve Nash got a lot of gruff for his substitution patterns. And of, um, of the many things that you could be upset about Steve Nash with, that was one of them. Now, Jacques Vaughn has had some very interesting substitution patterns. He, he has ridden the hot hand at times. There's been... Odd lineups, which I enjoy times when it's like Yuta, TJ Warren, Ben Simmons, uh, Seth Curry, and Royce O'Neal all out there at the same time. People like that. But, you know, obviously KD and Kyrie are getting played many, many minutes in the Hawks game. KD, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton, and Kyrie all 
got more than 35 minutes in that game. Um, do you think that Jacques Vaughn is doing a better job of balancing who he plays than Steve Nash? Or do you think that because the Nets are winning, we're just not paying attention to the rotation patterns? When I've been asked to talk about the differences between Vaughn and Steve, it, it Vaughn's previous coaching experience has really shown, and Steve Nash's inexperience has as well in the recent weeks since Jacques Vaughn got the reins for good, right? I mean, I think I think you can definitely tell Jacques got a better feel for that stuff in general. But I also think it's tough to kind of evaluate some of this because have the Nets ever had these guys healthy and and this kind of you know con- continuity? under Steve Nash that Jacques Vaughn has had. I mean, he's – I think you can't really evaluate the situation without taking that into account, right? So – but but that being said, I, I do think that you see – you know, obviously there was a talk about Kyrie waving off Steve Nash at times toward the end. You know, if that happened with Jacques, you see him pull the quick time out. So I, I just think that, you know, Steve was very big on kind of letting players figure it out for themselves, and I think that is still a big part of coaching, but – I think that Jacques has had a better feel whether whether it's coming to the rotations or um, when to call timeout, all that stuff of like just having a better feel for I gave this group, I gave this guy, I gave this, you know, whether it's the backcourt, the frontcourt, whatever. Um, I think that he's just had a better feel for when to pull a guy versus when to let him go. And and you've kind of seen the, the game flows significantly impacted by that i don't want to engage in steve nash apologia that's not what i'm here to do i did want to i was scraping through the nets daily comments section a treasure trove of credible information uh one guy the great bambi i'm trying to do better 2023 goals is to cite my sources on stuff some guy did a lot of uh research on minutes distribution uh this season versus previous seasons data point for us the three-man lineup of Simmons, Irving, and Durant has played together for 358 minutes and are currently net plus 10 points per 100 possessions. Okay, one part of the data. Included- we could have checked this at NBA.com slash stats. <laughs> we can. We can, we can counterfactual with that if we want. I'm too lazy for that. But, you know, I, that's for the viewers. Engagement. Um, including the playoffs, Durant, Irving, and Harden played together for a total of 365 minutes so um we're basically seven minutes away from matching the entire totality of the durant irving harden epoch of nets basketball so part of why i bring that up in this conversation is like you know how much how much exposure did steve nash actually have how much consistency was he given i get it i thought i thought his rotations were bad i thought there's a million things to criticize steve nash over but also just to just throw it into the conversation. I don't want to be a squeaky wheel here, but like, was he given the opportunity to, to our estimation? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think first off, that's a great stat. Assuming it's correct. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. no offense, Brian, if, if I, if I, uh, if I use the comment section as the basis of my reporting, I'd probably be taking your order at the McDonald's behind Barclays Center. <laughs> there was a thread about whether it was true or not. And he did cite his sources. So there was, I waited for that thread to get a little bit more mature before I brought it to, <laughs> put to the podcast. So yeah. that kind of quant that, that really quantifies though, that, you know, Jacques Vaughn has had these guys healthy for essentially a month and change. If you want to, I mean, the Kyrie suspension, a month and a half, the Kyrie suspension, the the Ben Simmons, a couple of his injuries. I mean, to me, it just kind of shows just how little the Harden, Kyrie, and, and Durant trio played together that you could get to the first, you know, two and a half months of an NBA season with some injuries and attrition 
and it's still more than what Steve Nash had over, you know, a year and a half of Harden, Kyrie, and, and Durant. So that, I mean, when you when you put them up against each other like that, that is that just kind of shows how um, how limited his time was with those three together. But I I, I think that Steve Nash um, had a crazy hand and something unlike anything any other NBA coaches had to deal with, and you can't really compare him and Chuck Vaughn without factoring that in. I also think, though, just based on who you talk to and, and everything else, that like Jacques Vaughn has clearly gotten more out of this group than Steve Nash would have at full strength just based on what we've seen and how the guys have responded and whatnot. I'm really going to try to be polite. I don't know why, why Steve Nash brings this out of me and the fact that like I pull my punches just slightly for him, maybe because I understand the situation that he was constantly being put in by injuries and outside controversy and vaccine mandates and trade requests and all that stuff. And so I am partly sympathetic to the job that he um, had to carry out with the Brooklyn Nets. And I do think that there was some good that he did, but as a tactician, as a, a guy who was a puppet master for this team, he was a bad basketball coach, bad. And he may become a good basketball coach if he wants to coach again. I don't like I, I don't know. He doesn't seem like I don't know if he has a burning desire to get back into it because it was probably so tough for him. And he didn't seem like a guy who really wanted to coach to begin with. Frankly, it seemed sort of like he was hopping on to a situation that he thought could be the best coaching possibility for him. And it immediately became corrupted by various forces. As an in-game coach, as a pre-game motivator, and a guy who, in Jacques Vaughn, who's who I'm talking about here, who, the I mean, Alex, you talk to the players about this a lot, Jacques has just simplified things to such a clear degree that it it, it is obvious that is helping the, this team. I mean, I even I, uh, a caveman when it comes to basketball concepts, can see what the Nets are doing on offense, Right which is essentially give KD and Kyrie the ball to start a possession. If they if nothing happens immediately, let's move the ball, find an open shot. If that doesn't happen, let's give it back to them at the end of the possession, and hopefully they do something nice with it. Rarely is there an intricate play run that gets multiple guys open at various points. It's not like, you know, like Kenny Atkinson, I, I think he was underrated as a guy who could do that? He had a lot of he had a lot of very nice out of timeout plays. He had uh, a system that clearly works, particularly for point guards. Jock is just a better coach right now for this team. He understands what those guys needed, um, and I, I don't. It's funny that we're on this like Steve Nash, Jacques Vaughn, and I apologize. I feel like I put us on that track, um, but. Uh, I actually did have a question going into this, Alex, which was if you're giving out credit pie, okay, you have a big, delicious, crusty pie in front of you. It's a credit pie, okay, and you're doling out slices to various people. Who gets the biggest slice of credit pie? Jacques Vaughn, Kyrie, KD, let's say Sean Marks. I don't think you can really put Joe Sy in terms of needing a, a mouth to feed in this scenario. Who gets the most credit for what is happening this 10-game win streak? Now, I would kind of divide it into thirds and give a third to Jacques Vaughn, a third to Sean Marks for the roster construction, and uh, 
a third to honestly like the the athletic staff and um not not my colleagues but the Nets athletic staff <laughs> and um um again because like they've had a very good wave of health all things considered you know um it hasn't been a thing like a like a I know he's out right now with knee soreness but you know Joe Harris thing last year where like Ben Simmons is out. And you wonder, is it going to cycle into like, you know, do games become weeks and then months, et cetera? You know, like these guys have gotten back and, and healthy pretty quickly. They've had a good run with all that. You know, honestly, like a, a question I've kind of wondered about, because you mentioned the Harden thing, is like, because Ben Simmons has been a good supporting member right now. I don't think you could say he's been a star alongside Kyrie and Kevin with the way they've been playing. But the, the thing that I've kind of wondered about with the way that the team has looked is, what would that Nets team before the first Harden trade would have looked like if this is what the runway they got was? Because I think it's built very similarly in that you have Katie and Kyrie, and then you have a lot of good pieces around them, and an established center in Jared Allen. Nick Claxton isn't playing awesome, but I, I've kind of thought a lot about that lately, just in that everyone keeps talking about, you know, with the Harden rumors of him going back to Houston, the, the jury's still out with, with the Nets and the Sixers, but it. I, I feel like the way that this team is built for these guys to help around Kevin and Kyrie has been very, uh, has been a very big piece to all this. Has Ben Simmons has kind of grown into his own, and so I, that's why I've kind of divided in thirds. You know, this is nothing on Kevin and Kyrie, but they're doing what they usually do, right? Like they're they're shooting at tremendous percentages and scoring wherever they want on the court. Um, I think that was more expected than the other three things. Ju you know, T.J. Warren was an unknown. Edmund Sumner was coming off an Achilles. Nobby's been maybe the best non-guaranteed contract ever. So I, I think that, you know, I think that that's why I divide in thirds the way it has, the way I have, because, you know, Jacques Vaughn was a bit of an unknown since uh, the bubble um, and, and the Orlando time coming in. The athletic staff, we've seen all the injuries and whatnot. Obviously, that's some that's out of their jurisdiction. But, uh, but yeah, that's why, that's why I went the way I did. Yeah, I think it's going to be controversial, Alex, that you're, you're leaving uh, KD – Maybe Kyrie, but Katie without a piece of pie. I think that's a controversial decision. MVP candidate, um, plays 38 minutes a game or whatever he plays. Uh, I think you need to think about slicing up a piece of pie for KD. I, uh, no, it, my, my whole argument for it is I would argue that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, the way they've played this year, is the least, of, uh, least biggest surprise compared to the other things I named in terms of I, like, if you were to say at the beginning of the year, would Kevin and Kyrie play this way? Would Jacques Vaughn be this good of a coach? Would Sean Marks' limited roster moves work in their favor? And would the Nets be able to stay healthy? I would argue you would bet that the way Kevin and Kyrie are playing is at least of the biggest is the least biggest surprise, right? Like, that's kind of my argument for it, is that them playing the way they have to me has is, is been a proven commodity before. There's been more doubts on the other three things. Here's my this is the reason why Kevin Durant deserves credit pie because now this may seem odd, but he could have easily have folded and thrown in his I want a trade request card when all the Kyrie stuff was happening, when Kyrie was banned from the team. And I actually think he there were many people writing that the team should be blown up. Many prominent basketball writers. And I was I I think I said it on the show because I never thought Kyrie would play basketball for the Nets again. Because, you know, I watched the documentary and I read the book based on the documentary. But Kyrie is back. Kevin persisted. Kevin led this team through victories while Kyrie was out. And Duran is doing, for the first time, I think he's, he may disagree with me. 
he's being a leader for the first time since he's come to Brooklyn. He's exhibiting signs of leadership that we haven't seen. I don't know why it took this long. Maybe it's just simply that they're winning and it seems like he's a leader and maybe that's inauthentic to believe that by my account. But he is doing sort of the extra things. He's taking on defensive assignments that, not that he hadn't done it before, but that are important to do. He has guided this team. He's played all the minutes possible, basically, to get victories, to get dubs. Um, he is unlike a lot of superstars where he doesn't sit out games. He set out one game. They still got a dub. I, I think I agree. I do really like your premise that, in fact, that Kevin Durant um, is great and we should expect greatness. And it's not like he's that much greater than what he has been in the past when he's healthy. Like, I I appreciate that that mindset. I still think you have to give credit where credit is due. And he he deserves a slice of pie. I think he deserves. I don't know if Kyrie does. I think that's a better debate. I think we gotta we gotta structure a formal debate. But this is good content, and I think we'd I, I'd like to moderate a formal debate between Mike Smeltz and Alex Schiffer for the next episode. Alex, you want to do that? That that's fair. How about if I, if, if we can include this too? How about I amend my pie to quarters? Katie, no. Sean, Jacques, no. and the training staff. No, absolutely not. No, you've already doled out your pieces of pie. You can't. You can't each go to then to Jock Vaughn, Sean Marks, and the athletic staff and say, "Can I get a third of the third of your pie?" Because I'm going to cobble those three pieces of thirds together to make a quarter for Kevin. That's not how. This is. That's not how this works. You already doled out your pie. You don't, You don't know their appetites. What if they fin- What if they they got full after a little bit? I think it's insulting that you think Kevin Durant wants leftovers like that. I don't think so. The man, the man deserves better than leftovers from you, Alex. But you have to cover him on a daily basis, so you'll have to live with that decision. We will figure out a proper time to debate, a when and where. And the person who loses the debate, Brian, will get a pie thrown in their face. Okay. I think that's good deal. what we should we should do. Okay. Well, how, how's it going to be determined who wins and loses? Is it all Brian? Because I'll just pay him off if that's the case. <laughs> True. <laughs> I do have sticky fingers, too. Is there anybody... <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Bank is open. All right, Alex. Thank you for joining the show. Okay, thank you. Thanks for letting me go on better terms than that. Okay, <laughs> later, Alex. We'll get that beer, buddy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies 
trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back, Brian. Yeah, good to be back. I, I was going to do this with Alex, um, but we I, we just had gotten into that debate about credit pie. And then he kicked him um, off the show unceremoniously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I do have three questions. So I pulled these questions, Alex, on The Athletic. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, one of the benefits is that writers will often do uh, live blog Q&As where you know, readers can ask questions, direct questions. Wow. So I have three questions from athletic subscribers <laughs> to Alex that Alex answered on the athletic okay. that I'm bringing to you and for us to answer. Oh, okay. okay. The, f- the first one is from Matt W. Matt W. Here. We're just poaching. We're poaching his questions. I love that. We, you're really dog and shiffer today. It's, it's, <laughs> this is, we're in rare form. How likely do you think a notable trait is? I can certainly see the arguments for standing pack given they are pl- how are they are playing. However, I think Seth Cam Sharp are certainly expendable. I think if I look at this question, I think the word notable. That's, that's what I was just going to key into. Notable's tricky. What's the level of notable? Is it a guy who like averages 25 minutes a game? Is, is that a notable trade? And you know, I was just... My my new it's not twenty twenty three yet, so I can I'm, I'm giving myself a little bit of leeway. There was a guest on Zach Lowe's most recent podcast uh, talking about how Jakob Pertl is most eminently tradable asset. Is that notable? Does that raise to the level of notability? I, it's really fringe at that Ooh. point. I think I think Jakob Pertl's above notable. I think he's not he's he meets, potable yeah. notable potables. Okay. Um, I think he is worthy because what if you get Jakob Pertl you are kind of assessing like whether he's a starting center or a backup center, he's playing significant minutes for you. Significant to me being like about 20, mm-hmm. 20 minutes per game, 20, 25. I, I think that raises above. That's a guy who's a regular in your rotation. He plays with the starters at times. Maybe he plays in the clutch if he's playing well. He's playing mins. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked in the past. You yeah. know, the, there are trades that are possible. Um, I wonder what the Wizards are going to do. Beal has a hamstring injury again. Mm-hmm. Kuzma is saying he's going to opt out of his deal. Anyways, doesn't mean that he's not going to go back to DC, but if I'm the Wizards, are you paying Beal the highest contract in the NBA? Chris Stapps, what they're paying him, and then Kuzma on like $25 million a year, whatever it's going to take. It's going to take a lot. Uh, and your team sucks ultimately like it's frisky but sucks so if you're the wizards do you trade chris taps or kuzma yeah but then like um, what's the prize for for the wizards to stash away or have a product like camp thomas is are we believing that they're high on camp thomas well i still maintain that ben simmons would possibly be on the table i don't want it anymore i'm, I'm liking my ben simmons oh, over over kuzma i just think it's a it's a gluey fit like it's it's feeling gluey to me all of a sudden Good for you. Thanks. I, I I do I I I agree with you, but then then it becomes a thing of like if Kyle Kuzma's on the team and Ben Simmons isn't, you suddenly have a guy who can put up fifteen to twenty points pretty easily, 
get you rebounds, isn't an awkward... Like, you don't have to accommodate Kyle Kuzma in ultimately kind of the way you have to do Ben Simmons. I'm not advocating for a Ben Simmons trade. I agree with you. I like the glueiness, the the tactile nature of a Ben Simmons, mm. the feel of him on this team. I think what's exciting about the team, John Hollinger of The Athletic, a colleague of mine, wrote about the Nets today for the website, theathletic.com. Wow, and he wrote about how you know the Nets, there's two poles that the Nets are standing on, the belief pole mm. and the chemistry one. The belief one, the Nets have, are there. Like They have achieved the maximum level of belief, it seems, through Jacques Vaughn, through the winning, the 10-game winning streak. The chemistry is still completely random because ultimately, KD and Kyrie, they have yet to really play off of each other on a consistent basis. This is John's words. And Ben Simmons is still Ben Simmons. He's, like, he's not fully formed. To me, that's exciting. To me, it's exciting the fact that this team is number two in the East right now because the Milwaukee Bucks suck and that there's a way higher level of greatness that they can attain because Ben Simmons, if he just gets 15% better, the Nets then get 30% better Mm -hmm. because it's an exponential boost off mm-hmm. of a, just a better Ben Simmons. And I don't know, I I got to look at what TJ Warren's stat line was in the last couple of games. Um, but again, wasn't like... That, he, wasn't that good against the Hawks? But yeah, obviously, he had like, what was it, 21 points against... Yeah, I'm saying like, I, again, we're, I just feel like, and maybe this is underselling Kuzma's intangibles or whatever, um, I just think we're getting enough of what that is from TJ Warren, which is crazy. I know that's going to sound crazy to people. I know how that sounds. We're getting, it's not, we're not getting the matching level. It's obviously not the same role. Um, but again, you're looking at Kyle Kuzma, who's, um, you know, playing in the vacuum of Bradley Beal's perpetual injury cycle at the moment. Um, I just feel like it's, and it's a guy who knows what he wants to be a little bit better. You know, like TJ Warren has, has no, seeming uh, like illusions about what his role is at the moment. You bring Kyle Kuzma on there. Suddenly, now we're now we're slicing a pie, the offense pie, Mike, and that can cause a little consternation for people at times. I I, I think again, what we can debate notable. I think notable trade not happening. I think it's not happening. To, to answer that question directly, I think it's not happening. William T. asks Alex Schiffer of the Athletic, "Do you see the Nets looking for a big man? And if so, what would that look like in your opinion?" And we talk about we're going to talk about this constantly until the end of the. The only thing I want to point out to the listeners is that there's really not that many minutes for a big man. And so I don't think the Nets spend any true resources. Like we bring up Jakob Pertl. Jakob Pertl still going to take resources, whether it's Cam Thomas and a first round pick to get Jakob. I mean, yeah. that, that's the going rate for a starting rental player who is like pretty good. Jakob Pertl is pretty good. Nick Claxton is firmly the starting center. There's no, you don't debate that, right? Yeah. He is, the starting center. Dude, I loved so, watching just to sort of segue, but yeah, like yeah. uh <clears throat> just watching DeJounte Murray at all try to like size him up to ISO. Like guards trying to ISO Nick Claxton, he just like rises to the occasion. He loves that. He loves that challenge yes. and he eats them up. He gobbles them alive. It's been such a joy. I mean, like really, I, I think it's it's he's so asserted himself, so firmed himself as the starting center that it's like it's not it's not even on the table really at at the moment. I agree with you. I think the the so we we obsess over the Embiid stopper, but it's almost like what the Nets are going to look for if they get a big. I think it's going to be buyout market or it's going to be a minimal trade where it is like Cam Thomas for whatever more veteran big who's not really getting any minutes. 
Maybe it's like JaVale McGee on the Mavericks. He's not playing that much. And it's only to be an insurance policy uh, and in case shit happens policy. Because if Claxton gets hurt, holy shit, they need, then they need to make a trade. Yeah. Um, Claxton's kind of one of the most important players on this team because there is no, obviously Kyrie and KD are ultra important, but beyond that, it's Claxton because there's no replacement for him. That's actually the only level, really the only argument. And it's a good one. It is a good one because, you know, when we talk about our depth, we're, we're often in the last previous episodes, we've talked about how much depth we have at three point shooting until people get hurt. Um, and that's, that's a version of the argument, which has uh, a lot better support, um, or just that, like that part of the rotation has a lot better support. So imagine what happens if Nick Claxton go down. It's, we can't. Let's not even. I can't even speak that into the world. Oh, get out of this. <clears> okay, <throat> last question. AJG, AJG asks, "Hey Alex, hey glue guys, <laughs> may as well, that. may as well do. What type of money would TJ Warren be looking at in the off season if he keeps up this level of production? Mm. And would the Nets have a shot at re-signing him? Here's what I'll say. I don't know if the Nets have the, his bird rights." which is a key question. Again, bird rights would allow you to go over the tax over the cap itself to sign for whatever amount of money. If TJ Warren plays like he's playing now, he's going to be a, uh, a non taxpayer mid-level dude, which is about $10 million a year. The interesting thing is like, what does TJ Warren want? Cause the thing is, if you're a non tax paying team, you probably actually aren't that great. It's most teams are, who are non-taxpaying aren't the top contenders in the NBA. Yeah. TJ Warren wants to win. Then he's going to remain. He's probably going to be the taxpayer mid-level type dude. And then the Nets have like as much of a chance as anyone because they can give taxpayer mid-level money to TJ Warren. For things like this, I think it's important to kind of dig into the history of their contracts. Like did TJ Warren ever get a fat paycheck? Because if, if not, then I I do think it informs the situation. I, I don't. Okay. He, I don't, he never got like the, the fat he never got the bag as yeah. the kids say but he got he got uh pouches of money okay. the pouches were to be had um i can look over tj warren's career he's making 2.6 right now there's probably some restrictions on how much of a raise the nets can even give him do you know that there's usually like mm-hmm. like the problem with yuda Wantanabe, if we're going to focus the attention our attention on that tj's made about 57 million dollars over his career so fine you know, yeah, I would, good, I would take it. Yeah, uh, I would take it. <laughs> Look at us um, turning our nose up. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> not that good. Um, then, so you don't want Tanabe because he's on this nine guaranteed deal and he's making $2 million. The Nets can't pay him more than like 120% of his current salary next year, mm-hmm. which means that he can't make more than like, again, not the greatest mathematician, but about $2.4 million next year actually i think that's right holler at my mathematics teachers whoop, whoop. um yuda is playing better than a guy who's gonna make 2.4 next year he's paying he's playing ball like a guy who's gonna get the play the the taxpayer non-taxpayer mid-level or even someone who gets like a legit here's a three-year 36 million dollar contract because mm-hmm. the, the joe harris contract he's a fun f- flexible player and if he keeps if he keeps shooting fifty seven percent from three or whatever it is, he's gonna get money. So you just you just probably not on the team next year. Frankly. Yeah, and I don't know why I actually don't see. I don't know. I, I got to see what the market is for for you. And like, it's just like he's got he's doing great in a pretty minimal role. Like all things considered, um, he's getting you know more minutes, but it's still a very 
Look at you. Look at you getting comfortable. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like really so yeah. uncomfortable. I'm Are you so on the beach right now? Are you, it feels like you could be at the beach. I'm, I'm in my childhood bedroom. Ah. That's where I am. Wow. A lot of demons um, in there. A lot of demons. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Wait. Okay. So anyways, so what? You, you don't believe in you to, I, huh? I, <laughs> you've, you've been, but maybe it's because you're back in your childhood bedroom that you're so bad faith with everyone's arguments here. Um, <laughs> I, it's not that I don't believe in Yuta. I just think that it's easy for another GM to maybe attribute his success to the circumstance, you know. And uh, it's it's. I mean, like, look, he's he's so he's playing so above and beyond anyone's wildest wildest expectations. Throwing a big bag and being like, "I want you to replicate that on you know wherever." Put in random, like, somewhat competitive Team X. Um, I don't know. That's tough. That's tough for me to see. Yeah, I, he's still going to get more than two million dollars. Yes, yes, like, agreed. But not the. So we, we, should they trade you to right now? Get out ahead of don't it. Do what it. can you get for you to can you get a first round pick? Stop. You stop that right now. Um. Anyway, so to sum up our conversation. Okay. Uh, TJ Warren is he's playing his way into getting some type of bag that may price him out of the nets. But let's enjoy the ride right now. It's going to be like just this. enjoy it. Yeah. Championship runs. They, they go like this. You know, there's guys who were big, you know, they, they, they seem irreplaceable. Um, you get the chip and then, you know, they, they move on to, to other things, but then, you know, what we have here is it's starting to feel like a core. We can kind of rely on until the next tweet or Instagram post that, um, that does. It sounds like you have a visitor in your room. Get a little yeah. visitor. Hey, Rowie, we'll talk, we'll talk about it when the show's over. Okay. I'm talking to my buddy Brian. Yeah. I know. So, listeners, what's happening now is my 4-year-old, he's playing with toys that are that is at his grandparents' house that he wants to bring home. Mm. And I kind of just said he could because I wanted him to leave the room. And you know, I'm going to have to pull back. I'm going to have when this is over, I'm going to have to get out and be like, "Hey, yep. not happening." You know, um, five years of therapy later, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's yeah. worth it to end our our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and one one last note: mm-hmm. if TJ Warren gets a bag and Yuta Wantanabe gets a bag, it's only going to make other guys want to play for the Nets. There you go. Like That's if, a spirit. if it all works out, check us out on Twitter at PK Guys The Athletic. Thank you to Alex Schiffer for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Brian Egan, for always being here. Catch your back, dog. All right, we're out of here, y'all. Ah.